friends and welcome, you're listening to the Sacred Footsteps podcast. Sacred Footsteps is an online publication and podcast devoted to alternative and spiritual travel, history and culture from a Muslim perspective. Join us while we talk to writers, historians, artists, as well as a whole host of other people about travel as a spiritual practice. Assalamualaikum, it's Zara for this episode and I'm joined by Shiroz Khan who is a writer, blogger, community organiser and a student of political science and history focusing on the Middle East and South Asia. He's also a photographer and his work has been featured in local and national exhibitions around Canada. In this episode we talk about the old city of Lahore. listeners who also follow us on Instagram are probably already quite familiar with you because you did a week-long story for us from the old city of Lahore which was the longest story we've done on any single place Um, and it was really well received because I think the level of knowledge and the detail that you included in that story it was very clear that this was not done by a tourist this is done by an insider Um, so I was just wondering like how many times have you actually been to Lahore because I'm guessing that was not your first time. Yeah, no, I was actually born in Lahore. Um, So, yeah, I was born in Lahore um, and then I immigrated to Canada when I was around 10. Um, So I have a pretty uh, deep connection with Lahore. My parents are from Lahore. My grandparents are from Lahore. Um, I think if you go a little bit back, I think it goes back to like KPK, but, (laughs) but essentially like all all I've known um, for Pakistan is Lahore. Um, so yeah, I definitely um, like grew up around those uh, the streets of the old city. My parents, my grandparents used to live in the old city uh, once upon a time, and then I used to visit it every day with my grandparents. Um, so it was, just, it was just a very familiar city that I know, and I feel like when I'm walking around its narrow alley, alleys or something like that, it's it's more of like a it just comes naturally. It's not like I was trying to be a tour guide. Uh, it was just uh, yeah. some, like uh, something I was observing while I was um, doing the tour myself. So I, I was actually learning a lot. In your story, actually, I think that came across because it felt like you knew this place inside out rather than just like using Wikipedia <laughs> to yeah. look things up as you go along. But I've been to Lahore a few times because I have family there. Um, but your story really made me realize how many places I've just not visited. Um, so we, I think I've been to Shalimar Gardens like four mm-hmm. times or something. I've been to the Badshai Mosque. But aside from that, like there were so many places you showed on your story that yeah. I've never <laughs> been to. And I really feel like I should go back. Yeah, it, it happens. Like so many people skip the old city because it's like you can't really access it via car. Yeah. Um, so you have to walk through it now because they've, they've uh, shut down cars through it because it's a very narrow street. Um, right. And so many people just skip it. They do their usual, um, you know, the, tour, the the red tour bus in Lahore, which goes around, I think, the main uh, attraction, which is the Fruit Street, um, oh, Basra okay. Masjid, and the Gaddafi Stadium. But that's about it. They don't actually um, go within, within um, the old city of Lahore. But also, I just remember as a child and... Um, I just found the old city quite intimidating because you have all these motorbikes whizzing around and I just don't know how I would even go about navigating it. Oh, definitely. I think that's a big, uh, that's a big problem within the old city, I think. But that's like, um, I think that's a South Asian culture thing, right? You can't really go anywhere with a motorbike coming in. Um, 
like even when trying to there's no like idea of how to cross the street in Lahore like you have to find like weave your way through the traffic and make sure that you don't you don't get hit and most of the time you're pretty lucky right uh but um I think the old city is um a little it's gotten a little bit better since the renovation started in 20 okay. uh, 2012 um and they've tried making it more walkable as opposed to like especially the old um so there's this um street called that goes from um Delhi Gate to all the way to Azir Khan Masjid and um they've made that into like a walkable pedestrian area oh, almost which is uh which is more along the lines of it's called like the Shahi Guzerga which is like the royal um, walkway so it becomes more um it's more accessible now in my opinion than when I was growing up because um one of the things that uh, is special about the old city of Lahore is that it's it's not made for tourists it's it's still a very active uh, very vibrant um city with a yeah. with, with a very uh indigenous community in there um so like when we visit um old cities in in Europe or even like the old city of Jerusalem which I visited a few uh, a few years ago um all of those are it kind of feels like um there there's people living there but at the same time it's more like catered towards tourists than it yes. is towards actual people living there um and that's not the case with old city of Lahore it's a very natural yeah, city like a and very um, organic place i think that's a really important point yeah and that's exactly it like there's you can get everything you need within the old city if you're living there um uh you can get everything like you can get like soap you can get um, like anything that you need there basically from within the city and you don't need ever need to leave the premises of the city um so it becomes like Uh, a lot of people that live there that that I know are still like very much in the mindset of um that being their whole world which is so unique cuz like you see all of this uh, rapid modernization happening outside the old city of Lahore especially like a few kilometers down in in Gulbarg or like Defense Housing Society um but like these people are like they're like this is all I know and like this is all I care about which yeah. is so cool Yeah that that's amazing actually. You know, I visited um Baku in Azerbaijan over the summer, last summer. Um and so mm-hmm. the old city there, some of the buildings date back to like the 10th century or something like that. Like it's 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 a very old city, but it does not have that feel at all because um like you said, it's not it's not a place that's lived in anymore. It it feels like it's there for tourists and it's kind of preserved for people to go and visit rather than like a living and breathing city um yeah so yeah i think even though lahore can be quite intimidating i still prefer that i still pre- prefer <laughs> the fact that it's a historic place but it's still completely lived in um and it's not kind of just there for show yeah and i think that just gives it a whole different meaning like um it's like like i like visiting visiting museums but i feel like a city shouldn't be a museum it should be a living yeah. breathing city um that is actively like you can see the life of the city and i think um a lot of times we do uh, like um european cities or even like um like we were saying baku or or jerusalem they do a disservice to the old city by um by catering it for outsiders rather than catering for insiders yeah right? definitely um that's just um i guess the bureaucracy within the government and what they want to do and i think we can, we'll talk about that later uh but yeah. essentially i think it becomes about um who who the who do they value more are there local stakeholders that are more important than international stakeholders and stuff like that yeah exactly we'll definitely come back to that later on in the podcast um before we talk about that so i wanted to talk a bit about the history of the city itself because it has a very very long history and its roots are quite uncertain is that correct yes 
<laughs> it's a very old city. Um, actually, the um, roots of Lahore are relatively uncertain, but I think to me, um, there are some politics behind that. Uh, we in pa- Pakistan tend to deny our Buddhist slash Hindu heritage, and the history of Lahore attests to that heritage. Um, so Lahore is an ancient um, city with mythical roots, uh, roots uh, uh, that were that some say that it was founded by the son of Ram, Lava. Um, so, like a lot of, for most of its history, it was called like Lavapur, the city of lava. Um, and then there, there's also a temple associated with lava um, in Lahore Fort. It's closed off to public, but there is a temple associated with that, and it's one of the oldest Hindu temples within the city, uh, within the old city. So I think um, it's just um, like uh, I feel like a few years ago, um, and I was reading it in, in Harun College's Imagining Lahore book. A, a few centuries ago, um, that was common knowledge. There was because Lahore was a multicultural city. I think um, before the partition, Muslims were only like around fifty percent of the population, while Hindu and Sikh um, and other smaller religions like Parsis they made up um, the rest of the fifty percent of the population. Uh, and now, um, I think there is a heavy politicization of history, which happens often with like nation-state projects and everything yeah. like that. Um, where a lot of it is you only reflect on what is convenient to you and you don't actually right. um, like care about the actual history, like the factual history. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear any of that, but it still makes me sad. I think it's always sad when, um, you know, like people deny their roots, whatever the purpose is. Exactly. And like, um, so <laughs> when my, my parents tell me, um, or they used to tell me, and I, I help them correct themselves is that <laughs> a Pakistan That's was nice found uh, <laughs> Pakistan was found in uh, in the 7th century by by um what like those arab invaders that came into Pakistan right. and and that was the foundation of Pakistan and I'm like what like that that <laughs> that, that has no roots in actual history um I myself am a student of history and political science um so I think like to me, it becomes like I associate the politics with history, and like Pakistan is one of the most interesting places to me because of that precision and right. how they've tried to um, change up a lot of the history historical narratives that were associated with it. Right. Um, I think a lot of this has happened um, like post um, um, post the creation of Pakistan, but also yeah. like very specifically within Pakistan's history. It's like post nineteen seventy nine after Ziaullah came, and like there was a whole Islamization period of Pakistan. Right. Um, and so as a side note, I read that the polymath Al-Biruni, he referred to Lahore in his writings in the 11th century, and he, he called it Lahawar. Um, but what point was it that the city actually reached its heights of success? Was that only after the arrival of the Mughals? Yes. Um, before that, Lahore was just a... Um, it, it, was, it was always... So it's one of the oldest cities within the subcontinent some claim it to be 4,000 years old but um like his like uh, evidence has shown that it's at least 2,000 years old um so it's always been settled there um but prior to the Mughals arriving I don't think it was a very prominent city within the subcontinent it happened to lie at the banks of uh um at, at the banks of River Ravi uh, which was um a historical uh river of Punjab and the region and it was actually known the river was actually also known to the Greeks um, when they came over to India. Uh, but other than that, it was just a relatively small town. Like it was a trading town where a lot of people 
from um, Central Asia used to come and settle because it was at the, it was like known as like the gates of Hindustan where, where um, you would have to go to Lahore to get to Delhi and Delhi was the final All destination. Right. So Lahore just happened to come in between it. But when the Mughals came, um, it was, um, there was already some um, like flourishing communities there and it was already a, um, like under the Delhi Sultanate actually, it became, it, it began building mosques there they became they became uh they began making it a, a actual livable city with like an imperial roots and then the moguls just exaggerated that to the next level like they always do uh, they started building uh became essentially one of the capitals of akbar and then um the, he built he the lahore fort was already kind of there but he also expanded it and he essentially created the wall city of Lahore with the Bashai Mosque. And then the other Mughals created the Bashai Mosque and the Vizier Khan Mosque and all Sunari Mosque. So all, a lot of the stuff that is within Lahore that a lot of people tend to visit are relics of the Mughal Empire within Lahore. Right. Um, and you mentioned the Wazir Khan Mosque. So I've never actually visited the mosque itself, but it's still one of my favorite mosques to see on Instagram or wherever because I feel like... <laughs> It's, it's got all the beauty and all the intricacy of every other mosque, like the Badshai Mosque, but there's something quite otherworldly about it, almost, like it's frozen in time. Um, is that because yeah. it's not preserved in the same way? Or, um, I don't know, like in terms of when it's photographed, it kind of looks as though, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it other than it has a layer of dust over it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it's, it yeah. seems like it's not... It's not fully being preserved, but its beauty is still there. I think, um, like, I don't mean to get very poetic, but I think Wazir Khan Mosque is like a metaphor for Lahore itself. Um, because, like, it's, it's, like, locked away within the old city itself. And um, just some people who are very motivated will visit it. Not a lot of people that are, like, very passing by tourists. Because yeah. Bashe Mosque is so much more accessible, so they'll just go there and they'll like perhaps visit the Lahore Fort, but they'll they won't actually um, go to Wazir Khan Masjid, which is like it requires some walking, right? So, yeah. but once you're there, it it is a magnificent piece of architecture. Um, so it's been the jewel. It's called the jewel of the old city because precisely because it is. Um, it's one of the most um, unique architectural styles in the Mughal uh, in the Mughal era because it, it not only incorporated the traditional Persian style of the Mughals, but it also incorporated the um, the local Punjabi style of Lahore, and it also incorporated the um, Central Asian style that was very prominent in Lahore as well. Um, so I think it's a mixture of the Persian, the Punjabi, and the and the Central Asian. Uh, which actually, like I would say, are a test to Lahore's history itself. Um, it's a mixture of these civilization, these rich civilizational, um, civilizational um, civilizations, I guess. Uh, and I think um, that's why, like um, I say, it represents uh, was your was your kind of, she represents uh, the city of Lahore itself. And um, I feel like you're definitely right. There is a um, when you look at the pictures, there's almost like a layer of dust. But I think um, it's also like timeless. Yeah. Um, it stands by within the old city by, uh, but it, like the whole of city of Lahore is changing around it. But like Wazir Khan Masjid does not need to catch up to that because it's just sitting there uh, looking beautiful and timelessly. Yeah. And I think that that's what really attracts people to it. Um, and you go there and the colors, uh, like, you know how sometimes, um, like mobile architecture is very, um, 
like it's very it has like a one type of co- prominent color like yeah, pro- like a monotone almost right yeah yeah and i think with yohan majid totally defies defies that and it has like beautiful murals beautiful frescoes that are um like like all colors of the rainbow that you can essentially think of right. and it's um i think that's what attracts a lot of people to it and that's why it's, i think it's one of the most photographed uh, locations within lahore but then when you go there um you realize that none of the photos actually do it justice because you um just like um sitting there uh and looking at the old qurans that are there and like some of the qurans are really old so like you have to be really careful not to rip the pages but those are for you, uh, for the usage of anyone um yeah and i think it embraces like whoever goes there um it kind of, you don't feel like you're in a bash, like when you go to when i go to bashan masjid for instance i felt like this was a very like almost like a museum type of place it was essentially very beautiful but i didn't see it being used in the same way right. that uh was your khan masjid was it used it's the thing I about know, being lived in again right yeah and i think bashan masjid is mainly like a tourist mosque um while was your khan masjid is like a local mosque like yeah. <laughs> when i was there um the electricity went away <laughs> for a little bit and um So when the electricity was gone there was supposed to be like a Quran class that that happens within Wazir uh, Khan Masjid and they couldn't read their Quran anymore because there was no light so they just started playing around in the in the courtyard which was like beautiful you wouldn't find that in in Bashan Masjid I doubt there is a Quran class that takes place there yeah. uh, but these are like people that would live around the Wazir Khan Masjid and they come from all over the old city to go to Wazir Khan If that won't inspire people to go visit this masjid, I don't know what will. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> good advert for it. No, I really hope so. And I think one thing I would also advise um I would also advise is that when you go to the mosque, it's more to, like sometimes we tend to um look at look at certain buildings or certain um beautiful things behind from behind our camera. And I would just right. say something like I'll take pictures but like put that put that camera put the phone down and just like take it in that you're within like one of the oldest mosques in Lahore and just walk around the courtyard and see the history that like you wouldn't be able to see through your camera you know exactly and there's enough photos online you can always look at photos and yeah. <laughs> um, exactly what are some of your other favorite monuments in the old city um i re- i really enjoy the tomb of jangir um i think that's um very Uh, it's it's also it's a garden so when i was growing up in lahore um i live actually like maybe like 3 minutes from the tomb um so <laughs> a lot of my uh, people in my neighborhood call him like uncle jangir so he's like he's our <laughs> uncle <laughs> um so yeah we know all the secret ways to get in without paying uh, which is really bad so don't do that <laughs> but like pay pay the tourists inside the tips inside the pakistan <laughs> Uh, but essentially it's a garden and uh, growing up um I remember um there were it wasn't just a garden for the for the uh for the tomb of Jangir but like there were fruit orchards there there were uh, mangoes there were plums there were wow. all of these yeah it was just a fruit garden and I remember like every Eid and every like second day of Eid and the third day of Eid for instance there would be like picnics happening all over the garden and um I think a lot of that has changed so um because of the security situation and plus um i think uh like also this disregard for like traditions in my opinion that's happening in Pakistan where um traditions are being lost and uh replaced with like 
Western notions of like how to celebrate something, which is like going to a McDonald's. And I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, so many people when I was in Pakistan, so many people are like, hey, it's my birthday. Let's go to a McDonald's. And I was like, what? Like, there's so <laughs> many other things to do than go to a McDonald's on a birthday. And we're in Pakistan. Like, we don't have to go to McDonald's. But yeah, I think I think it's just um, it makes me kind of sad that that is happening. But like because uh, Lahore was known as like the city of gardens and essentially that's what it was for the longest time but now i think that's being slowly chipped away and um when you go there it's more like a concrete jungle now where um you can barely find any trees in lahore and i think that makes me really um it makes me really sad but at the same time um there's still like a lot of gardens in in, in the city because like that's what it will be it will be a city of gardens um and as for monuments i really um I really enjoy like the whole city, uh, the old city itself. I think is a monument. Walking around, you it, it attests to its history and how um, it's been preserved, despite not there not being a like a a lot of effort to preserve it. I know, um, and I think um, when you're walking around like the old market of Anarkali, Anarkali also has a few temples around it, but like it just makes me sad because those temples are bad. And one of the temples that I, when I was walking in Anarkali was around um, was being used by a shoe cobbler, um, like for his uh, for his shop. And oh, wow. I was just, yeah, so it's just some of the stuff has fallen so um, deep into the bureaucracy that it's not even looked at anymore. And I guess like partition had a lot to do with that. Um, but yeah, I believe Imran Khan recently said he announced that they're gonna. Um restore i don't know how many hindu temples but i mean it's mm-hmm. a step in the right direction i don't know if it will actually happen yeah i think um i don't know if that will actually happen yeah. ron khan um has been very idealistic and i even if he does like 10 percent of the things that he says he will do it will be great for pakistan but like i just feel like within like a bureaucratic society that is pakistan and like um yeah don't mean to get into politics but like uh I just hope, I think it's, it is, the change will not come from, like, it w- won't be a top-down change. It needs to be within, like, the local people yeah, that exactly. need to, like, start talking about it and discussing how to best preserve their own history. Because this isn't the history of, like, the go- government of Pakistan. This is the history of the people of Lahore. And, like, they need to start taking um, responsibility for it and they need to start taking, being, they need to start being more, um, more open to their history in my opinion so before we talk about the we'll get more into the tourism bit afterwards um what happened after the mughal period like i've read that the city went into decline um but what actually took place um so after the mughal period um i don't think the city went into decline but i think it reached another um grandeur in its history because it became the capital of the sikh empire and ranjit Singh. i mean um it depends on your de- definition of decline too, by, 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 um, in terms of like architecture, in terms of um, the, how the city expanded. It expanded significantly under Ranjit Singh and under the Sikh Empire. But I think what happened, what like a lot of people when discussed uh, when they talk about like city went into decline is that um, the Muslims of the city were treated very poorly and same with the mosques of the city were treated very poorly under Ranjit Singh. Right. Um, like, for instance, I remember um, when I went to Vizier Khan and I was asking the local imam about the history. Um, and I don't know how much this is true because, like, a lot of times everyone exaggerates a lot in these times. 
in in Pakistan in Lahore. I think that's that's something that you got to be aware of. Um, so like take everything that someone says to you with a grain of salt, but at the same time, like this is rich oral tradition that is has existed within um, Lahore for for some time now. Um, it was that uh, like the Wazir Khan Mosque wasn't a mosque anymore, and it was ma- uh, the courtyard was made into like a horse stable. And um, okay. it was like basically defiled as as a holy place by Ranjit Singh, um, and that's what like the Imam told me. But I don't again like I don't know how much yeah, that is true. I think there are some, yeah, there are some testaments to the Bashai Mosque being used as a um, as a stable, um, and also like a weapons spot, uh, um, like a place to deposit weapons and like weapons of war and cannons and everything. That was that's something I am aware of. Like Bashai Masjid was used for that. But as for um, Wazir Khan Masjid, I'm not too sure. Again, like Wazir Khan Masjid is some is a masjid that has been ignored for a while. <laughs> so I think yeah. a lot of maybe we do have to trust the the oral tales um, until like some historical written uh, description shows up. Right, and in terms of the Sikh monuments and the Sikh buildings. What exactly is left? Yeah, I think um, I, one of the, so, like some of the uh, main ones that exist are like uh, right next to Ranjit Singh Samadhi, um, and that's still being used. I think it's used heavily uh, near in around June because there is a Sikh festival that comes around that. Uh, but uh, like tr- like um, like in terms of how many exist, I think around fourteen uh, different gurdwaras still exist in the city. And that's actually down from what it was in at the turn of the century, in the 20th century, because a lot of the Gurdwaras and a lot of the Hindu temples also, uh, they fell into destruction after the riots of partition in, in Lahore. And uh, what what happened after that is that um, once the Sikhs and the, there was exodus of the Sikhs and the Hindus and the Jains and the Buddhists from, from Lahore, um, their buildings were either uh, occupied by by um but they were either occupied by the refugees that came from india or they were um handed over to the state who really didn't care about the history the non-muslim history i should say um, at that time and hence it fell into disarray and i remember a lot of the temples and and gurdwaras in the old city were either converted into mosques or they were converted into private um households okay that's interesting yeah, um, one of my friends actually was discussing this, and she said that um, this old temple that she uh, she traced back to one of the streets in, in the old city of Lahore, it was a it was now like a living place where like people, where families were living, and she asked to go I've inside, heard that and too, the, about temples. the inside was still very like much like a temple, and I'm like that's so cool, but they don't uh, you can't really expect that expect someone to welcome you in their house just because you're you have a passion of history like <laughs> that is their house and you have to respect that you can't be like oh i want to see that temple um but yeah i think just being aware of that and like how many sites are hidden from us now and that we don't have access to because of either lost history or like just lost um accessibility right. it's just i think it's saddening but also quite inspiring like lahore is a city of secrets yeah, no, that's I, I totally agree. I heard that there's also a school, there's a girls' school, which has Hindu murals all over the wall still. So I assume yeah. it was a temple at one point, or um, or something of the sort. Um, so I know this is this is like a big question. So we could probably do an episode on this on its own. Um, but I was just wondering if you could tell us a bit about 
during partition, what actually happened to the city itself? Like how much of it was actually destroyed? Because I know that a lot of monuments and historic buildings suffered a lot of damage, obviously, in the fighting. Yeah, I think um, the partition is one of the biggest stains on Lahore's history. And um, like in terms of what happened to the city, I think, um, like I remember um, reading about like partition and when the actual partition was happening and the lead up to partition as well. It was um, a lot of the Hindu areas of the old city of Lahore, like the Shah Alimar Gate, um, that were completely burned um, by Muslims. And in, in, re- in retaliation, um, a lot of the like mosques that existed within that old with that within that neighborhood were razed down, were destroyed. Um, one of the mosques that I was recently reading about was converted into a gurdwara after the Ranjit after Ranjit Singh took over, and then it was tried to. Uh, it, like Muslims tried to take it back, but it didn't work. And then the the Sikhs destroyed the remaining of the whatever remained of the mosque after the Gurdwara. And it was like a like Lahore was basically uh, fighting for its soul within the partition. Um, it was Lahoris that were fighting each other, and um, they had lived together for centuries, if not millennia, um, right. as neighbors. And then this and then this partition was happening, and they were being told to leave their ancient city like they had in uh, they were living in the cities for sometimes like three four hundred years and uh, suddenly the city wasn't there anymore yeah. um so they had to um i think it's a and i think one of the things that makes me the most sad about um partition uh in lahore is that um, not only did we lost a whole like half of the city basically which was um the hindus and the sikhs um but we also like there's no testimony to it within lahore I think when you walk within Lahore in the old city of Lahore, the buildings will will pay testimony to it, either as like gurdwara, the empty gurdwaras or like the temple that is now a shop. But like, there's no acknowledgement of partition within Lahore. I went to the Lahore Museum and like <laughs> the part there was there was obviously like um, talking about the movement for independence within India and Pakistan, within like the in the British Raj and the British India, but there was no acknowledgement of like what happened to this city that like the museums exist in within, uh, within in the, the, of the partition. No. That's and that, I think that makes me so sad. I think because like there's a politicization of partition where it's like Pakistanis don't really tend to um, um, feel um, saddened by the partition because. Oh, right. Um, of course. I, because they can't, they gained a country out of it, right? So, like, yeah. um, it, it was not only independence from British, but it was also an independence movement from India. Um, but I don't like I don't agree with that mentality at all because of so many people lost their family members trying to come to Pakistan, right? And so many people died because of the creation of Pakistan, and it wasn't they chose to die because of they don't they did not choose to fight for Pakistan because there wasn't even a country yet. But they right. died because of the consequences that Pakistan came with. Yeah, and I mean, for myself, I only have my grandparents' stories to go by, um, because obviously I don't live in Pakistan and I don't really have that experience. But you know, the trauma of having to leave your ancestral home in such a way—it um, just—I don't know—it feels weird to kind of celebrate. Yeah, and it's like I. And that's why, like, celebrations like the 14th of August and the 15th of August and Independence Day is very, like, I was there in Lahore, I think, a few years ago for 14th August, which is, like, a Pakistan Independence Day. Um, <laughs> and it's, like, decorated like a bride. Like, Lahore is, like, 
fully on decorated. Each building is like uh, has like a green light on it, representing Pakistan. But at the same, like I don't know how much we can celebrate. Uh, knowing what has happened to Lahore since. Like, I, I was reading this in, again, Harun Khalid's Imagine Lahore, and he was telling us how um, Lahore at its um, like what it was known for in British, British India and why it was so revered in British India was because of its multicultural population, right? And because of its multicultural harmony that used to exist within Lahore and like how that became the strength of the city, not only because, oh, multiculturalism is good, but also like how many craftsmen were in Lahore and also how many um, traditions lived in Lahore, right? It wasn't just the Muslims that occupied. It was the Sikhs, the Hindus, right. the Jains, the Buddhists, and all of them were like torn away from Lahore. You know, we're probably going to get quite a few hateful comments for having said all that. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do tend to see things your way. Yeah. And I, I don't think like, like, um, I think to love a country, like for instance, like I love everything about Pakistan. Like I love the rivers, the valleys, the mountains. Um, but to truly love it, you have to acknowledge um, how to make it better, right? Right. And I don't think you can just do that. You can do justice to yourself or to Pakistan um, as a land by not acknowledging what has happened in its history and how traumatic that is, not only for like people who left it, but for the land itself too, right? Um, right. Like the land has a relationship with the people, and like, and now that relationship was torn. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a more nuanced, uh, nuanced conversation that we need to have as a country, as a people, rather than just being like, oh, I'm an Indian agent. Like I'm, not, I'm not an Indian agent. I've never been to India. Like I can't. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I can go to India. I was born in Pakistan. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we've kind of we've touched upon it already, but when you talk about the old city and the monuments, the thing you can't really get away from is this question of preservation and we did a story a while back with Sam Dalrymple and one of the images he sent us has really kind of stuck with me um I can't remember the name of the monument off the top of my head but it was a gateway to a garden that used to exist in the Mughal period um so the building itself was was built during that time also but it's been completely abandoned to the point that it's now home to 30 odd yeah. heroin addicts who kind of lie in there all day um <laughs> but it's just so sad to see because it's really a stunning building and no efforts have been made to look after it in any way um and so my question is do you know if that's changing like are steps actually being taken to preserve these sites or not um i think um i think the monument you're referring to is the chaburji um okay. Uh, and uh, the Chaburji, it was a gateway to a garden that no longer exists. Um, and that specific site, Chaburji, I think it's almost like, it's lucky that it has, still hasn't fallen over because of how um, how mismanaged it is and how um, non, like it's not preserved at all. So I'm, I'm so shocked at like the, the architectural of, um, integrity of the Mughals, which has kept the building um, stable for so long that despite having no um no oversight or anything like that mm. with it before like centuries now um there hasn't it hasn't fallen to the ground i think um another thing is that in terms of like maintenance sites and preservation is that a lot of that falls within the role within the hands of the government and the government is not very interested in preserving a lot of the history of lahore um, that is outside the, to the the normal touristy area right Chaburji is very far away from um, like the old city of Lahore, and it becomes more about 
uh, it becomes more about like what is what will attract more money. Like Basha Masjid, mm-hmm. yes, that will attract a lot of money because right. you can build a food street right next to it and then capitalize on that. But for Chiburji, so it's just oh, it's just some somewhere to people for people to sit at, have picnic, or or like we're just gonna waste our resources there. And I think um, for me, I think uh, right now, I think I no, not right now. I think in 2017 and 2018, Chiburji was going through like a, a court case where they were building um, like a, I think a train station or a train track right next yeah, to Chiburji. Right. And, and what was happening is that like um, there was a Pakistani law that said you cannot really build anything within uh, 200 meters of a historical monument. And um, that law did not get, it, even though it was in court, the court did not acknowledge that. And they said oh, you can God. still build the train station. And I think that has caused Ch- monuments like Chiburji to fall into such a, um, such a uh, mismanagement, such a uh, place of mismanagement that you can't really get away from um, the the haunting of the bureaucracy that exists within Lahore and like how mismanaged this stuff has become. On other cases, the Shalimar Gardens, the Shalimar Gardens used to be um, like one of the most I hate using this word, but like exotic gardens in India, right? Mm. But what has happened now is that um, I went to Shalimar Gardens and. There was no water fountain. There was no, um, there was no like huge um, orchards of, of trees of, of mango trees or anything like that. Which I was told like by my dad that there used to be mango trees in Shalimar, um, and there used to be like all uh, like this festival that happens within Shalimar, and that was um, slowly chipped away at. And I think now um, it becomes more about like how we like. I don't think we can rely on the government as much to do anything. Um, and it's, it's bad for me to say that because the government shouldn't be the one taking care of it. But I think we as a people need to be just mindful of what we need to do and how to um, just take it into our own hands, basically, um, at looking at Chiburji or looking at um, Shalimar Garden and how we can contribute to the preservation. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, so for people listening, in case they're not familiar, Pakistan recently held a tourism summit, which was controversial for a number of reasons which we'll get to Um, but the kind of main idea behind it was the government is trying to push for an increase in tourism in the country Um, but following the summit we published a piece on our site by Rida Arif in which she raised a number of important questions asking whether Pakistan can even handle an increase in tourism Um, and I feel like we've kind of already answered this question but you know given the situation the fact that the sites are clearly not very well preserved as it is you know surely adding more visitors to that is not really going to help the situation Um, so I know what you're going to say but do you think the old city of Lahore is equipped to deal with more tourism? Um, I don't think so. As of now, where it's at right now, I don't think the old city as, as an entity is ready for um, the number of visitors that like Pakistani government is planning to do. Um, the old city, like like we mentioned earlier at the beginning of this episode, is that um, the old city is a livable city. It's not something made for visitors. But I feel like if um, the, the tourists, especially the international tourists, are the one um, that the governments are looking for now, um, it might the locals might fall into um, the back. They might go into the back seat, and they might not be considered in making important decisions about the city. Right. And I think that will be really bad for the city itself, as it it'll be like 
a, a like a Pakistani version of gentrification, essentially. Yeah, and exactly. I th- yeah, <laughs> so I don't think we need uh, we need that in the old city at all. And in terms of the tour, uh, like if, is Lahore as a city itself ready for number the large number of tourists? I don't think Lahore is ready for like the amount of population it has right now. The streets are so interlocked, Let and like more. they're so yeah, they're they're so um, it's gridlock all the time in Lahore. I think with proper infrastructure, and one thing that is needed uh, more than anything is public transportation. There's no thing as public transportation in Pakistan or in Lahore. And I think for it to be like a successful hub of tourism, the government really needs to look at like the public transportation and why that needs to be an essential priority between that. Um, we often compare Pakistan to India, um, like our great cousin, is that, uh, but like when you look at India, they have like beautifully connected railways and like beautifully like um, interconnected public transportation that has helped them become the tourism center that they are. Pakistan right. does not have that. Yeah. Um, is like a few... That like there's few um, areas of populations, Karachi, Mosan, um, and like Lahore, and then Islamabad and Peshawar. But that's about it, you know. Like there's nothing really connecting them outside, um, like just the roads. Not a lot of people are going to come to Pakistan and rent a car to go to these places. Yeah, I'd be terrified to do that. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, so I was going to say, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head with your gentr- gentrification comment, because I think the way they handled the summit itself is kind of an indication of how things will go, because the fact that they amplified and gave so much more importance to the voices of foreign travel, I was going to say foreign, really, we're talking about white travel bloggers yeah. over over homegrown Pakistani bloggers who have been you know obviously they live there they know the country inside out the fact that they were kind of sidelined just really kind of indicates the way they're going to go like they're not going to give a greater importance to locals within the old city um, if it's at the expense of tourists and I feel like the summit kind of is proof of that yeah I I completely agree I think the the summit itself is like a big is <laughs> the preparation of gentr- gentrifying Pakistan, um, and, and again, like it's the white faces that are doing it, you know. <laughs> but I think it becomes yeah. more about like, um, all like why the locals aren't being being involved in this conversation. Um, uh, and I think um, like travel bloggers uh, or travel um, blogs like um, Travel Beautiful Pakistan or other uh, what's it called Everyday Pakistan, which is one of my favorite um, travel blogs about Pakistan. They really um, encourage the representation of local Pakistani bloggers um, and representing their city. Like, the, like for instance, like we're not going to have the same experience. Um, uh, me walking within the old city, I'm not going to get the same treatment as like a white tourist would. White tourists would be um, getting uh, free handouts from like the the local um, fruit seller or anything, something like that. Like we, that's not a realistic um, insp- like that's not a realistic aspiration for. Um, brown people like whether it's Pakistanis or right. not if you're visibly brown I don't think that's something there I think there's a um, I think Alex um, from Lost with Purpose put it the best there is a colonial hangover in Pakistan where it's like um, we tend to um, almost kind of like go 
um, worship like a white tourist as if we need their validation for our historical sites and we need their validation for um, to be to be told that Pakistan is great because we don't believe it ourselves, but we're once someone exactly. else says we know Pakistan is great because they're coming to visit. Like um, as someone who who was born in Lahore and grew up um, my first ten years of my life in Lahore, um, and then I went back. I think Lahore is like I'm currently. I live in Edmonton, Canada, and I think <laughs> um, whenever someone tells me, "Oh, I'm born in Edmonton, Canada," I'm like, "Damn, my grandma's older than your city." You know, like. It becomes like you have to yeah. um, historicize um, Lahore, and like it's a, it's a, it's not only like a city, but it's a civilization that has been continuing, uh, continually inhabiting yeah, that area true. for thousand years. And to to tell um, for us to meet other people who've only been living in cities that are like about sixty, seventy, maybe a hundred years old, um, that oh, it is a valid city, and we, uh, it's a beautiful city. I think that's just a historical. Because um, yeah, it is. It's, it's not only beautiful, but it was a thought over city when the British came to Pakistan. I mean, when the British came to India, yeah. Pakistan didn't exist back then. <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't actually notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we internalize this thing where Pakistan has always existed. No, you know when you put it like that, though, it really does point out just how absurd the situation is because we are talking about thousands of years of history mm-hmm. and a, a city like that should not seek validation from anyone let alone a place that was not even in existence a hundred years ago. So before we wrap up, is there anything you want to add about Lahore? Um, I think um, for people who haven't, who haven't visited Lahore, I think Lahore is a beautiful city. Um, uh, I think it's uh, if you're looking to visit a more uh, like a touristy city, Lahore is not for you then you can go somewhere else in, in perhaps like in Europe or something. But if you're li- looking to get, um, and I hate using the word authentic, but like if you're looking to get like an authentic Lahori experience, as in like you're going to go to Lahore, the old city of Lahore and you're going to see um, the rich life that it has. It's not a dead city. It's a very living city. And um, you're, you're going to be around Lahoris basically. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get away from them. Exactly. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to run into, you barely run into uh, people from other towns. Um, other cities, um, because a lot of the people that come um, to Lahore, they usually don't tend to visit the old city of Lahore, and it's kind of like a hidden away treasure. Um, but yeah, I would encourage a lot of like many people to go to Lahore, especially if you're if you're from a Muslim country and you're Muslim yourself. I it has a rich. We didn't talk about this, but like because we were talking about every, um, like the Sikhs and uh, Hindu temples, but like Lahore has one of the most incredible Islamic histories. In the subcontinent, um, it has one of the oldest Sufi shrines in, in the subcontinent, and a lot of people say that, like it was, it was a shrine of um, uh, Hazrat uh, Ali Hajmeri, uh, but what a lot of people, and he, he came to Lahore in the 12th century, I believe, and he settled there, and his shrine has been existing since the 12th century. And what a lot wow. of people, what a lot of mystics and a lot of Sufis themselves say is that for someone to um, for anyone, any Sufi, uh, Sufi saint to seek entry into the Indian subcontinent, he had to visit Lahore to seek the permission of Hazrat Ali Hajri Dada Ganjwach to see if he could step into India. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's a real, and that's a Sufi saying. And uh, um, the great, uh, uh, the great saint of Ajmer, um, I call him Ajmeri Baba, but. Um, he also, there's a whole, um, chill, like, you know, where the 40 day of meditation, there's a spot within the shrine, within the, uh, the shrine of, 
uh, Dr. Ganjba, where the Ajmer Sharif was sitting there 40 days, um, seeking permission and doing jilla and doing meditation for 40 days. So I think, yeah, oh, wow. it has beautiful, beautiful Islamic history that goes beyond just the Mughal mosque. Um, and yeah, I will be in Lahore from June to August if you want to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> And we can go to a shrine. We'll, I'm, we'll tag your Instagram. People, I'm sure you get DMs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think um, a lot of times we tend to go to just these mosques. Um, but if you're Muslim and you really want to look at the Muslim aspect of, of Lahore, I think Sufi shrines are the best way of exemplifying what Lahore is about. I think we, we should do an episode on the shrines of Lahore. That would be... That would, I would, well, that's an episode I want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think for uh, I think for Sacred Footsteps to do something like this is like, I've always wanted to listen to an episode of the history of Lahore and like, what are the nuanced conversations about Lahore? And this is... And now you're giving it to me, even though it's my own voice <laughs> and I don't like my voice, but I will be listening to this later on. And you'll also be doing more Insta stories for us later this year. So we have that to look forward to. Yes, I hope so. It's given a chance. I'm going to be in Lahore from June to August this year. Um, and perhaps I can run into some Sufi horses, um, which is like the festival of um, their death when they, when they passed away. Um, and there's a whole celebration on that because in, in Sufi um, mysticism, you celebrate their death because they were being reunited with their creator. So you celebrate them not only just leaving this world, but them being re- reunited. So I think that's really great. And oh, wow. I hope to run into one of some of those festivals, but those always shift over time because they run on the Islamic calendar rather than like the Georgian calendar. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. But thank you so much for coming on today. No worries. I, am, I really enjoyed being here and it was an honor to talk about Lahore with people who also love it. guys for listening as always all the links and all the topics we've spoken about are in the show notes you can also find cheryl's on instagram he'll be tagged in the show notes